Do you want to get rid of your stuff, Kevin? <laughs> that would be great. Give us room. Uh, look, we just want to, don't want, want to waste any time. We, we do have uh, a message, or Greta has going to share for a few minutes, then I'm going to come back, that we feel is prophetic. It's going to minister into your heart. It's also going to speak into the life of your church. So I want you to have your listening ears on and really catch what God's saying. Just before I start, I, I just want to say that you are a very special church in our hearts, and we just love being with you all. Thank you so much for inviting us, Mark and Kathy. It's a joy being here. This is a prophetic word um, that God, is, I, I believe, is saying to his church everywhere at the moment, release the raw. In Revelation 5, in the first nine verses, John sees events in heaven. God is sitting on a throne and in his right hand holds a scroll sealed with seven seals. And then John writes, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb standing in the center of the throne. And we read how Jesus took the scroll from Father's right hand, and then the elders fell down before the Lamb. Note this, they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. One of the spices in that incense was called onica, and the original Hebrew word for onica is linked to another word which means to roar as a lion. This is what is in the prayers, the incense mixed with the prayers of God's people. And the prophetic word is this, release the roar, release the roar, release the roar of the line of the tribe of Judah. And it just came over and over. I was running early one morning through the beautiful countryside here. Release the roar of war, release the roar of intercession. Let the roar rise up to the throne of God like incense rising, filling golden bowls. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. God is calling his church everywhere to 24-7 prayer. Prayer beyond what we've ever known. Fasting beyond what we've ever known to birth and release the incredible things that God has in this unprecedented and momentous hour in history. The roar of your intercession carries great power. You need to believe that and know that. Your, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective, James 5.16. Your roars will release breakthrough in this church, in this city, and in this nation. It is also the roar of victory. The line of Judah has triumphed. He has won the victory. So release a roar of praise. John heard in heaven, he, he encountered this. The heavens are roaring the praise of your glory. So just like in heaven, here on earth, let the roar of praise continually rise up. And even, even if it is a sacrifice of praise, there will be some of you here, you are facing challenging circumstances at the moment. But in spite of your situation, make a choice. Choose to keep singing praise to the Lord. You know, in the, in the worship, yes, keep singing praise. 
In the worship, I saw and I heard the Lord say, he's releasing angels of breakthrough. He sent angels of breakthrough into this meeting. And he said, I'm going to re- you know, release these angels to my people today that need breakthrough and they will orchestrate this. But your praise will, will help to release that breakthrough in your life. Um, shared years back when we were here before about how my first husband, Ron, um, very suddenly passed away 10 years ago and went to heaven. And in the shock and the trauma of that, God graced me to keep singing praise every day for, for weeks afterwards. And then at the five-month mark, there was this incredible breakthrough. I wasn't, I didn't know or expect it to happen, but God miraculously healed my broken, grieving heart of all the pain and the grief. I was healed. And straight after, God then released me into my future that he had planned with David. A number of you need to know that the raging roars you are hearing right now of fear, intimidation, and hopelessness, they're being released from the enemy and they come from a defeated foe. We have the lion's authority to overcome and resist him. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I've given you authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. Resist the enemy and he will flee. James 4, 7. The line of the tribe of Judah is the true line with the authentic roar, and Satan is the copycat with the counterfeit roar. Don't listen to him. He's saying that to some of you. You've been listening to the wrong roar. And God wants us to roar boldly at the challenges we're facing. Don't just accept them. Don't just put up with them. It's time to draw a line in the sand, and you say, enough is enough. Resist the devil and he will flee. Submit yourselves to God. Draw close to God. The time for being placid pussycats is over. You are not a pussycat. You are a lion or a lioness. And God is saying, rise up and roar. Rise up and roar. In the authority of the lion of Judah. That's what he has given us. You know, all the Africans, I come from Africa. Let me see your hands. Lots and lots and lots. We've, many of us have heard a lion roar. And his roar can be heard five miles away. It's as loud as 114 decibels. That's 25 times louder than a gas-powered lawnmower. And for some of us, a roar has been silenced. For others, it's just a little meow. Feeble. But... The Lord wants to impart to all of us today the spirit of the line at a much greater level that we will release a much louder roar in the spiritual realm that will send ripples through the enemy domain. So spiritual realm, we don't have to physically shout. And in closing, your roar releases the roar of the lion of Judah. In two visions that I've had when I've been in the UK, um, I saw Jesus as the great line of Judah standing on the land of the United Kingdom, and it is his land, and he was shining with glory fire. And this is what the Lord said, I'm about to roar over this nation, and when I do, I will release my fire and my glory. And then I saw fire coming out of his mouth. It's for the unprecedented harvest that is imminent And then in the other vision, 
I, in addition, heard this incredible roar. It's impossible to imitate. And the blast of his breath was like a mighty, powerful wind that swept across the entire nation. This mighty wind of the Spirit will sweep the land clean, sweep away God's enemies. There'll be a great sweeping in of the unsaved into the kingdom of God. Hosea 11.10, they will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. And when he roars... It's not an if, it's a when he roars. His children, those that are lost, will come trembling from the rest, from the west. Jesus is about to release a new roar of power to his people. Like in Acts 2.2, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a mighty windstorm and it filled the whole house. They saw tongues of fire that came to rest on each one. So we need this roar to rise up. Come, Lord Jesus, Lion of Judah, release your roar over the United Kingdom. Release your roar over Birmingham. Yeah. Amen. That is, that is a good word. That is a great word. And look, tonight is all about helping you increase your roar, okay? That's what tonight's about. I want to talk to you um, about another word that is going to, you'll find, flow in with Gretas, and it's uh, the word but. And I believe this little three-letter word is going to become very crucially important to the people of God as we head into the future because right now in the nations of the earth, uh, there is an advancement of evil um, that is destroyed shaking things up so incredibly and we know that before Jesus comes the wheat the sons of God and the daughters of God are going to get stronger but so are the tears they're both going to grow to maturity which is why we have this almost civil war going on ideological civil war in this nation in America between conservatism and liberalism between those that want to pursue God and those that don't and we're going to need to know the power of this word as things get darker because how many know the Bible says when there is gross darkness on the earth, that's when Jesus is going to shine on his people, Israel, and on his church. Um, I was praying some time ago about difficult personal circumstances in our family and also global circumstances. And as I was sharing them and explaining them to the Lord, not that he needs an explanation, but made me feel good. I heard myself say, but, and I began to declare what God could do in these situations. And as soon as I said that word, it reverberated in my spirit. It was etched into my spirit that this is a really important word for us to get a hold of. Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Now, let me ask you this morning, how many of you are here on earth? Let me see your hands. About half of you, that's good. Where the other half are, I have no idea. You're off in the World Cup or you're somewhere. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're in heaven, I don't know. But here on earth, if you are here on earth, then Jesus said, while you're here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. And listen, if you're not having them now, Cheer up, they're coming. They will find you. Because the reason Jesus said that is, until he comes back, Satan is not yet locked up in hell. The demons are still active. They're not locked up in hell. Evil people are doing evil things that affect us. 
And we ourselves sometimes make foolish mistakes and get ourselves into trouble. One day you'll be perfect. You won't ever make another mistake. You won't say a wrong thing. You're going to be like Jesus. That's our hope. That's our goal. One day the devil will be locked up in hell. One day we'll have a world in which only righteousness dwells. That's the promise and the hope of the Bible. But that is not here yet. So we're going to have trials and sorrows. But Jesus says, take out because I've overcome. And if you have Jesus living in you, you have that overcoming spirit. And I think... uh, Even the greatest of Christians have experienced trials and sorrows. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you if you are. It probably means everything is right with you. Paul the Apostle, he on his first missions trip into Asia Minor with Barnabas, modern day Turkey, uh, went to five cities and they got persecuted and ran out of town in every case. And in one place he got stoned and left for dead. And it was a vicious, horrible thing that he went through. And a little while later, he's writing to the Corinthian church about that experience. And we read here in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 11, Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. He's a really honest man. Sometimes we don't like sharing our troubles with other people because we want to look really spiritual. Paul didn't have that problem. He said, this is how it happened. I'm telling you like it is. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. In other words, Paul said we despaired of life. He said we didn't think we'd live through it. We didn't think we'd get through it. That's how bad it was. I don't know if you've ever faced something that you didn't think, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through this. That's how Paul felt. That's how his team felt. They despaired of life. But at some point, Paul stopped looking at it from an earthly perspective and he started to get a heavenly perspective. And when you get heaven's perspective on your circumstances, it changes everything. And at some point, I don't know whether it took days or weeks or months for him to get the revelation of what God, of the good that God could extract out of the bad. You know, God is an expert at turning bad things into good. And we know that Romans 8, 28, he works all things for good to those who love him. But listen, just because he brings good out of bad doesn't mean he sends the bad, that sickness you're facing, that whatever it is you're facing is not necessarily from God, but God will turn it to good if you let him. And Paul was going through that and he got a revelation. Listen, this is happening. It's teaching us not to rely on ourselves. Self-reliance is one of the greatest killers of the Christian life there is. Because Jesus wants us to learn that it's in our weakness he perfects his power. It's when you can't do it, that's when you can do it. This happened that we not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He set our hope on a resurrection God. Some of you today need God to breathe on your circumstances, breathe on your children or your grandchildren and bring resurrection life back. So you got a son away in drugs. You got a daughter that's living an immoral life with her boyfriend and you're, you're pained about it. But listen, don't worry about how bad it looks. Believe in the God that raises dead things back to life and go after him again. You know, we set our hope on him that he will deliver us. That's what Paul said. Max Licardo tells the following true story about a chippy 
a canary named Chippy. He's, got a, he's there on the screen. Cute Chippy. Chippy never saw it coming, Max writes. Problems began when his owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird odor would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, a friend contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Uh, well, she replied, but Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why Lucado Wright sucked in, washed up and blown over. That's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. You can always tell the people with a compassion gift in the room, they go, oh, poor Chippy, and everyone else laughs, thinks it's funny. But the thing about that story is that I've discovered in my walk with the Lord is life has Chippy moments. And sometimes... It has chippy seasons, and you could be in it for a while, and it's like where everything goes wrong, and the whole world is against you, and the enemy is just vomiting stuff on you again and again, and you just keep, keep getting knocked down, but I want to tell you that what the devil wants you to do is stay trapped in a cage and lose your song, because when you lose your song, he can imprison you. And a lot of people go through trial and difficulty and the devil begins to slander the character of God to them and said, you believed in a good God, didn't you? Then why didn't he answer your prayer? Why is this happening? You dedicated your son or daughter to the Lord. Why are they now away from God doing this and that? You prayed for healing, but the person you wanted to see healed died. Why would a loving God let that happen? You lost your baby in a miscarriage. Why would a loving God let that happen to you? And he comes and he slanders the character of God because if he can get you to believe a lie and get you offended at God, you will lose your song because you will not want to praise a God you're offended with. Satan was once in charge of worship in heaven. His name then was Lucifer, the light bearer. And he brought all the worship of heaven from the angelic realm and presented it to God. He was the most beautiful angel created. He was an archangel, in fact. And he was closest to the throne of God more than any other angel in heaven. But one day he thought, why should I give all the worship to God? I want it for myself. And he wanted to be like God. And there was war in heaven and God, of course, prevailed and cast Satan out of heaven and he became the devil, the adversary, Satan, the slanderer, the accuser. And he knows the power of sacrificial worship. He knows the power of song. When you're going through a difficult time, when everything is screaming at you, when you're sucked in, blown over, washed out, 
you can still praise and sing and worship your God, even though you don't feel like it, even though you've got questions about why did God let that happen? But you're going to worship and glorify his name. He will not silence you. You'll come out and he will not put you in a cage. You'll be freer than you've ever been before. And your worship will pave the way for God to bring breakthrough into your circumstances. When I was back in my early 30s, I was pastoring a church, an Elam church in our capital city of New Zealand, a city called Wellington. My first wife, Jane, uh, she's passed away now, but uh, we'd been married a few years. She was from England here, and we'd met in New Zealand and got married. We had three little boys, eight, six, and two. We pastoring this church at it had been a little church of about 40 people and we, we turned up crying out for a move of God and 45 people were saved in about six months and the church began to take off and began to grow. And then about three years into this, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is a type of lymphatic cancer. And uh, I had to undergo nine months of chemotherapy. And uh, the thing is that when I met Jane, she told me, listen, I've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. That's a, that's a neurological disease that kind of wastes away your nervous system. And, uh, uh, but she was in remission. And I said, well, we're just going to trust God about that. And, you know, uh, we got married. And, and then after the birth of our third son, uh, the disease started to progress. And so it was progressing already when I was diagnosed with cancer. And then because of the pressure of that year of me being ill and us having to go all through that, it seemed to accelerate the multiple sclerosis in Jane. It turns out she had the very worst form of it, chronic progressive. So it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. There are other types of MS that are not as bad. She had the worst type. And so that year I'm battling cancer. Our kids are little, trying to lead a church. She has to start using a wheelchair for the first time. People said to us, man, you guys are going through, why is God allowing all of that stuff? And I couldn't give them an answer at that time, but I just had to keep trusting God. Well, I had nine months of chemo. I had tons of prayer. In fact, after prayer, all my, all my lumps just disappeared, but I felt I needed to be under the medical care, and so I completed the, um, the chemo, and it was just a tough year. And I, but I came out of it healed, and I've been healed ever since. Never a recurrence. Uh, praise God. But I came out well, but Jane just kept getting worse and worse. And three years later, after I'd finished that episode, or, uh, she was so bad that she could no longer feed herself, dress herself, bathe herself, stand, walk. She's completely helpless. And so the Lord, I felt, said, son, will you love your wife as I've loved the church and give yourself for her? I felt, Lord, I will do that. And so I resigned as a pastor. By now, I was on staff of a large church in Auckland. And um, I became Jane's caregiver. And I did that for the next 16 years. It was tough. Tough on her, tough on me, tough on our boys. Just a whole tough experience. It was like 16 years of a chippy season. But God in his mercy kept us in hope, kept us in courage. I prayed for a miracle of healing, but she kept getting worse. Her breathing and swallowing got affected. She contracted pneumonia and she didn't survive that pneumonia. And she passed away in 2007, just a couple of months before Greta's husband, Ron, passed away. And it was an overwhelming time. And then to add to the 
to, to the difficulty of all of that, then navigating grief and loneliness. And when you lose a spouse, it's like half of you is ripped out. I lost my parents, and that was hard enough. But when you lose a spouse, it's like you just half of you's gone. So navigating the grief was intense, but I felt like, Lord, I just needed, and I said on a deathbed, Lord, you give, you take away, blessed be your name. I will, I'm not gonna question why you didn't heal her. I'm just gonna praise you, and we're gonna keep praying for sick people, and we're gonna keep seeing miracles, and Lord, I'm going after multiple sclerosis, and we've got a lady sitting here. Come on, stand up, Monica. Monica was healed from multiple sclerosis two years ago in this church. Two years ago in this church. Hallelujah. And she is symptom free and in health and praising God. Amen. God bless you, Monica. So cool. So cool. That happened in a school of the supernatural we were running a couple of years ago, just teaching people. And we don't to this day know who even prayed for you. It was just somebody. Yeah, you can't even remember. We don't know. Somebody prayed for her and God healed her. And I just think that's pretty cool. Hallelujah. Anyway, back to the story. I, you know, I, after, I was, after Jane died, I looked back and I thought, Lord, 16 years of care, how did I do that? How did I do, and I couldn't, and I said, I don't think I could do that now. And the reason I was saying that is when you go through a trial, God gives you grace to get through it. When you're through it, you don't need the grace anymore. He lifts it off you. And you're left thinking, how did I get through that? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on, a few of you do. How did I? Well, you got through it because God in his mercy and grace empowered you to get through that. And if you'll keep singing and praising and not let your song be silenced, not let your roar be taken from you, God will get you through. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you, was, was that... 16 years of waste? Was that 21 years of Jane being in a wheelchair a waste? Was the death of Jane and the death of Ron a waste? No, because you know what? Out of my first wife's journey in mine, I wrote a book called Hope, Finding the Gateway to a Better Future. Based on Hosea 2.15, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. This has got all the secrets that God taught Jane and me of how to turn valleys of trouble into gateways of hope. When you're facing great darkness to see the light. And that's now touching thousands and thousands of people around the world. So that wasn't a waste because thousands are saying, I'm getting hope from your book. And then when Jane and Ron passed away and Greta and I began to write this new book, Afterlife, Life Beyond Death for the Departed and New Life for the Grieving, which is all about how to get through grief and secrets God told us and how he healed our hearts. But the bulk of the book is more, more about what happens on the other side of death. What happens to a person who dies? Where do they go? What's heaven like? What happens to babies that are aborted or miscarried or children that die young? What is heaven like? What are people in heaven doing? What is resurrection going to be about? When will it happen and what will it be like? And what will your resurrection body look like? You think you look good now? Wait till then. You're going to look amazing. Judgment day. Everybody's going to face it. Believer and non-believer alike. But I tell you what, judgment day for the believer is going to be very different for judgment day for the non-believer. And we talk about that in the new earth that we're going to God's going to create a new earth in which righteousness dwells and we're going to do amazing things in that new earth. And so the book finishes on that note. And you see now this book is touching thousands of people around the world. 
Because see, God brings good out of everything. And Danny, would you like to give these two away to somebody? Um, just If you want, want a free copy, just raise your hand. Danny will come and give you one. So. He's like Kevin, he didn't walk very far. It's like, what about all the people in the back are now feeling rejected? You just have to go and buy one. Sorry about that. I love I loved 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 to 9. It says, Paul says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We're perplexed. You ever been confused about what's happening in your life? We're confused. We're perplexed. But we don't give up and quit. Come on. God didn't save you for you to reach a trial and then turn around and run away from him. He saved you to keep going, going, going till the day he raises you from the dead and you rule and reign with him forever. This life is temporary, my friend. The next one's gonna last forever. We're confused, but we don't give up. We're hunted down and some people on planet earth right today are being persecuted and hunted down and killed for their faith. We're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. There's a few buts in there, don't you think? The power of that word, we so often use it as a negative. I live in a good street, but my neighbors are terrible. I have a good job, but my bosses mean. We use it in a negative. Why don't we stop using it negatively and start using it positively? Hallelujah. Yes, I may be facing this situation, but God is the strength in my life. I might need this thing, or my kid may be away from God, but I'm praying and God's gonna bring him or her back. You gotta start redeeming that word again and Make it a statement of faith. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hallelujah. Wow. I think in times of personal crisis and global crises that are happening right now here in Europe and Britain, the United States and around the world and the Muslim world, global crises. In these times, we need to firmly declare these things may be happening, everything may be shaken, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, I had a son 12 years away in the drug scene, 12 years on methamphetamine, 12 years it ruined his education. It ruined his first marriage. But after his mum died, he came back to Jesus. He started a slow journey, got into a great church. God began to deal with a whole bunch of the baggage that he had because of 12 years in the drunk seat. God began to clean his life up. Now he's a leader in his church. Now he's leading divorce recovery. This year he gave up his job, said, God's calling me to Bible college. He's just married a beautiful Christian girl, the PA of the pastor. God is redeeming. And I didn't Share that in the first of it. I feel there's somebody you need to know. God can redeem your son or daughter or grandchildren back from the jaws of hell and bring them again into purpose and into destiny. But he needs some parents and grandparents who'll not give up loving them unconditionally and not give up praying unceasingly. There's no use being a five minute prayer. Some Christians pray five minutes about something and give up tired. Sometimes you gotta pray years and years to get your breakthrough, but I wanna tell you, it will come because the fervent prayers of righteous people are powerful. You gotta get your roar back. That's what Greta said this morning. 
You know, you've got to remember what God's done for you. Ephesians 2, 2 to 5. Just remember what he's done. Here's what he's done. You used to live in sin, and so did I, just like the rest of the world. Baying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace you've been saved. Wow, I wanna get you, I want you, we can read that and think that's great. Can I just give you the impact of this? Three and a half thousand years ago, a man called Moses went up a mountain called Sinai and received 10 commandments from God. And God said, these are my rules for living. You obey them, I'll bless you. You disobey them, there'll be consequences because you will, you will, you will sort of move away from the way that I programmed you to function. And, and if you violate these rules, you know, you'll destroy your life effectively. And you know what those rules are, don't you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Don't worship false gods, whether it be idols or a false religious leader or money or wealth or celebrity status or whatever. Don't worship false gods. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't use it as a swear word or don't make a vow that you can't keep. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Have a day a week where it's a day of rest. Honor the Sabbath, a day of rest. Uh, honor your parents. Not because they're perfect, but because they're your parents. Honor your parents that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit sexual immorality, which is any kind of sex outside of marriage. If you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend, stop it. You are creating a soul tie with another person that you'll take into your true relationship that God has in store for you. Nobody sleeps around with someone else and gets away scot-free because he who joins himself to a prostitute, Paul wrote, will become one with her. You sleep with that girl, you sleep with that boy outside of marriage, your souls will be linked like that and you'll screw up and mess up other relationships that you, God has in store for you. You can get your virginity back, maybe not physically, but spiritually. God will forgive any sin because he's so rich in mercy and you ask God to break the soul tie to those sexual partners that you've had and he will do it and set you free. He doesn't give commandments because he's a meanie. He gives it because he wants you to be blessed. And the final commandment was don't be greedy or covetous. And there's not one person in this room, including myself, that hasn't broken one or more of those rules. Problem is, God's so holy, if you break even one rule, it separates you from him. The Bible says our iniquities have made a separation between us and our God and our sins have hid its face from us so that he does not hear. Isaiah 59 verse 2. Problem is, again, if you die in that state of your sin not being forgiven, you'll stand before God at the moment of death and he'll say to you, I'm sorry, I wanted you to come into heaven. I, I loved you. I sent my son Jesus to die for you. I wanted you to be with me eternally in, in heaven and in the new earth I'm gonna create. <clears throat> but because your sin isn't forgiven, I cannot allow sin into my presence. So I must send you to a place where I'm not. And let me tell you, folks, any place where God isn't is hell. Because where God isn't, there's no hope. Where God isn't, there's no love. Where God isn't, there's no peace. Where God isn't, there's no joy. That's hell. 
And there's some places on earth that are like hell on earth, but let me tell you, eternal hell is far worse. And that's why, and that's the bad news. Because in order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. And the good news is this, God is not willing that any perish, but that all would come to have everlasting life. So he sends his son Jesus and Jesus hangs on a cross and dies in your place. What is he doing? He's taking the punishment of your sin and mine on himself. Every commandment you've broken, every wrong thought, every wrong word, every wrong action, every wrong motive. Jesus has taken it on himself so that when you believe in Jesus to be your savior and turn from your sin, you know what God does? He takes all your sin off you and he puts it on Jesus and he takes the perfect righteousness of Jesus and he puts it on you. So when God looks at you in Christ, he sees you perfect in his sight. Hallelujah. That is the good news of the gospel. And when you die, you go straight to heaven to be with the Lord and he says, welcome into my presence. You know, judgment day for the believer is going to be a determining of reward, not, I think we're losing power here. Not because we're perfect. And you might be thinking, David, I'm not perfect. Yeah, because you see, you're talking about your condition. I'm talking about your position. See, you're not saved by your condition. You're saved by your position. When you have faith in Jesus positionally, you are made righteous, you declared perfect, and it's your position that saves you, not your condition. And all through your life, the Holy Spirit will increasingly match your condition to your position so that you will finally be perfect, finally be like Jesus. That's the power. And there's no sin in this room that God our Father can't forgive as long as you've got faith in Jesus. The Bible says as many that receive him who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. And as I close in a couple of minutes, I wanna tell you, I'll be giving an opportunity for anyone here that needs to give their life to Jesus or come back to Jesus this morning to do so because it's the greatest thing you'll ever do. I'll close with this story. It's a true story. Two men were viewing a painting in the Louvre in Paris. Uh, it was called Checkmate. We've got a photo of it there. If we can dull the lights a little, guys, that would be great just to allow people to see that. But this, this painting was by a German artist. I can't pronounce his name, so I won't try. And, uh, and the guy on the left in green is the devil. And the person on the right looking really worried is humanity. And the angelic realm is looking on and they're playing chess. And the title of the painting suggests the devil has won. In chess, when you win, it's called checkmate because you've maneuvered your pieces into position so that your opponent can no longer move his king. You've got that king covered and it's called checkmate. And in this painting, the devil's won and the Guy is lost and the devil's about to possess his soul. Now the two men looking at this painting, one of them was a chess champion. By the way, this is a true story. You're gonna have the lights back up, thank you. One of them was a chess champion. So he was really intrigued with this painting 
And while his friend walked off to look at other paintings, he kept staring at the chessboard, staring at it, staring at it. And after some minutes of staring at the game on the board, he thought, wait a minute. And he stepped back and he thought, the artist got it wrong. And he said in a loud voice, the king has another move. And I want to tell you, my friend, when it looks like you're defeated, your king has another move. When it looks impossible, your king has another move. When it looks like you're crushed, your king has another move. When it looks like the devil's winning... Your king always has another move. When it looks like the devil's winning in Europe and in this nation, the king has another move. And if we'll believe that and align with it and let our roar and our song go out to heaven, our king will be freed to have another move in this nation, another move in your life. I thought that was really good preaching. Hallelujah. Give him the praise. It's his story, his word. Listen, guys, what Greta and I have shared this morning is simple. You've got to get your roar back. You've got to get your song back. And if you've already got a roar and a song, I'd say to you, get your roar louder. Get your song louder. The roar of faith, the roar of prayer, the roar of intercession and declaration, the song of praise, the song of worship. Get your roar and your song strong. And I believe that Tonight, that's going to help. UK and beyond is going to help. This church is on a journey where your roar is going to be a whole lot louder in the spirit realm. Your song is going to be a whole lot louder. I don't mean volume, but I just mean in purity of worship and adoration of Jesus. And you can turn up to work tomorrow. You don't have to physically sing a song as you head into work, but you're carrying a song in your heart because you're sweet on the name of Jesus. And if you will praise him and you'll pray in your workplace, you will change the atmosphere of that place where you turn up, that university, that neighborhood, that street, that workplace. Why? Because your king is in you. He's always got another move. And don't forget the power of that three little word, but. If you will roar and if you will sing, there will be a but and the king will move. That's the message this morning. If you will roar and if you will sing, there will be a but and your king will have another move. Let's pray as the music team comes. We're going to sing a great song that will allow us to express that in just a moment. I know time is nearly gone. I don't think you normally go this late, but can I just say, because we've come all the way from New Zealand, just give us another few minutes. And I'm going to ask you today, the first thing I want to do, I want to, ask, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Because if you don't, today is the day for you to connect with Him, that God will wash away your sins, cleanse you and make you a child of God. Or maybe you once walked with Jesus, but you no longer do and you've moved right away from God. And today you know that um, you need to reconnect with the Lord. And I'm just going to ask us all to close our eyes so that we can concentrate right now. And I'm going to ask you as I look around the room, if you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to him today, would you quickly raise your hand where you're sitting right now? Just raise it up high. I'll see it, acknowledge it, then you can put it down. Yeah, God bless you down there. And on my right, there's a couple of you. Thank you, three of you, just uh, raising your hand on my right. Uh, And I think I saw someone at the front. Just keep it up till I've acknowledged that anyone else, just raise your hand high. Don't half raise it. Thank you, young man. I see that young boy. No, mama, he, he knows what he's doing. 
He knows what he's doing. Uh, down here, young lady, thank you. Just in front of me, God bless you. Are there any others? Right over there on the right, thank you. Just quickly raise your hand. Wave it at me if I've missed you. Over there on my left, God bless you. Here at the front, thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. Raise your hand. Don't let fear stop you right now. Don't let fear. If you believe that, thank you, young man. God bless you. If fear will tell you, yeah, thank you. Fear will tell you, don't do that. Don't embarrass yourself. That's just the voice of the enemy. You know, God loves you. Once you're in the king, just overcome that fear. Just quickly shoot your hair, hand in the air right now. Just shoot it up. So I'm going to overcome the fear. God bless you, young man. Anyone else over there, young lady? Thank you. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. Just quickly raise your hand. Hold it up high. I'm just going to scan the room one last time. So don't miss out. If you know you need to do this, your heart's thumping and you need to do it, just quickly raise your hand right now. Giving your life to Jesus or reconnecting to Him. Just quickly. All right, I don't see anyone else. Let's all stand, shall we? I don't know how many raised their hands, maybe eight or ten, not sure. Um, I would love to pray for you. 